It's a summer blockbuster, and it's a documentary series that you can both stream on HBO Max. Hey, everybody, I'm Craig Schaub here with the Ohioan Podcast Network, and today we are going streaming. Now, the first thing that we're going to talk about today is the recent blockbuster summer release, The Suicide Squad. Now, I know this has sort of been a, a relative disappointment at the box office. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is rated R and also the Delta variant and COVID kind of spreading a little bit more like wildfire these days. But I will say this, for anybody that has not seen The Suicide Squad, this is a huge pleasant surprise from the DC uh, cinematic universe. I will say this, one of the things that I've not really cared so much about for the DC universe of films is that I really haven't, I don't feel like they've really struck the right tone oftentimes, but here we get the Suicide Squad, much different than the 2016 predecessor that was dark and gloomy and brooding. This time around, James Gunn, who is best known for the uh, his Marvel Cinematic Universe entries, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, lends this beautifully written and funny and absolutely laugh out loud experience of the Suicide Squad. He strikes the right balance, in my opinion, from start to finish. This movie has a little bit of heart, a lot of humor, and some very creative action, let's put it that way. Um, we do get some holdovers, as I've talked to uh, Bob Garver, our New York City film critic, and then George Thomas, our Akron Beacon Journal film critic. There are some holdovers. Margot Robbie returns as Harley Quinn, which is amazing. I'm so glad she uh, has stuck with this uh, franchise and in, in the DC Universe playing Harley Quinn. Joel Kinnaman is uh, back as Colonel Rick Flagg. And then Jay Courtney also as Captain Boomerang, um, as well as the great Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Uh, sort of the leader of this team, putting the team together. Um, this film, it jumps around narratively. It's it's a very loose structure at times, which I could probably give or take a little bit. That's probably something that I didn't think needed to be done where they would have a scene play out and then it would be eight minutes later or two, three days earlier, whatever it may be. Some of that worked. A little bit of it didn't work for me, but ultimately what this movie did was set a tone. I don't know if you can call this a rebooting of DC movies, if you will. Obviously, there's the Batman that's going to come out next year, which is probably going to be very dark and brooding and mysterious. But in this case, The Suicide Squad, James Gunn has really made a movie that fits the tone of what The Suicide, Suicide Squad should be. So in place of uh, Will Smith, it's Idris Elba as Bloodsport. You also have John Cena coming in as Peacemaker. Michael Rooker is uh, Savant. Uh, Nathan Fillion is TDK, which is a hilarious character that uh, appears at the beginning of the film in a very fun way. Um, also, Pete Davidson as Blackguard. So there is a lot going on here, a lot of um, Suicide, Suicide Squad members. Uh, we have Polka Dot Man that's in this film, King Shark is voiced by Sylvester Stallone in sort of a funny turn, uh, almost taking a, a Groot-like um, acting uh, ability here with how maybe Vin Diesel played the character of Groot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Sylvester Stallone has a lot of fun as King Shark. This movie, though, at the end of the day, it there were some very laugh-out-loud moments to the point where I was I actually crying a little bit because I was laughing so much at some of the scenes, whether it be some of the ironic kills that are going on or just in general, uh, some of the jokes that were landing. Um, there was a lot of action that, you know, 
really sets up some funny moments where they kind of the payoff is that they didn't really need to make, you know, do some of the action there or some ironic twists of, of how action kind of meets each other. And this is just a fun film. James Gunn really understood the Suicide Squad. I'm not saying David Ayer did not understand what the Suicide Squad was in 2016. I think he was maybe a, a, a little bit of a prisoner of the Warner Brothers system and how they wanted their franchise to go, um, especially when you're looking at comparing it to maybe what we've seen from Marvel, where some of their movies are certainly comedic in, in, in general, but then there's also some seriousness to it, whereas DC kind of has gone to this different path where they've, they're have they a little darker, a little bit more brooding. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more emotional or supposed to be emotional. Uh, in this case, though, James Gunn is able to blend action, blend comedy, blend these really fun if you if you're going to go rated r in a, in a dc or a marvel movie like he's allowed to here you've got to go all in and i think he pretty much does go all in as far as looking at what's going on on the screen whether it's the humor whether it's uh you know certain things that are shown on screen that you normally don't see in, in superhero films and of course you know the language but then the violence is ultra hyped up here in the rated r uh, territory a lot of gruesome kills, a lot of funny kills. Ultimately, James Gunn has made a Suicide Squad film that I never really thought could exist. Um, you know, at the at the end of the day, you know, they they made the first one in 2016. It really fell flat for me. It just wasn't interesting enough. In this case, we get a little bit of character development. We get a little bit of opportunity to meet some of these people and learn a little bit of the backstory. Because I have to admit, there's a lot of these characters in this series that I have never heard of in the comic book. I'm not the biggest DC fan. So there's some, some, you know, characters that I just do not know who they are. I've never heard of them. And this is an opportunity to get a little bit of backstory. It's not necessarily one of these movies that's going to, you know, take every character and allow you to kind of learn everything there is to know about them. But at the end of the day, I think what James Gunn has done has made, something that DC Warner Brothers can be very proud of, even if the box office doesn't necessarily reflect that. I think that um, this is a situation where I would say DC needs to say, James, we want to continue working with you. What are, what other ideas maybe do you have? Uh, because at the end of the day, he's, he's worked now with Margot Robbie's character of Harley Quinn. He's worked with Idris Elba. He's got John Cena. And of course, you know, there has been the announcement that HBO Max will have a uh, Peacemaker series based off of the John Cena character. Um, obviously, we would love to see more Idris Elba. I mean, who wouldn't want to see more of him? He's a great actor. He brings a little bit of emotional punch along with great humor to that role as Bloodsport. So moving through the franchise here, I don't know that we're going to get more movies about the Suicide Squad or maybe we might see them, you know, appear in other movies possibly. I hope we do because honestly, this was a real pleasant surprise. I think James Gunn should be uh, courted probably very heavily by both Marvel and uh, by DC. I know he's going to have Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming out here in a few years. Um, but if, if you're DC and the experience was pleasant for both, and James Gunn's okay with it, I honestly think that DC should hitch their wagons, at least to this franchise. I'm not saying that Gunn should take over the entire DC universe of films, or whatever they call it, the DC extended universe. I'm not sure that maybe he should take over the entire franchise and be sort of the 
the Kevin Feige that oversees it like he does with Marvel. But James Gunn has really made a very entertaining film. That is why I am giving The Suicide Squad, the 2021 version, three and a half out of four stars. I really enjoyed this. You can see it in theaters right now. Uh, you have until September 5th to see it on HBO Max via their uh, same day and date release screening that they do. Uh, you get a month for it. You know, you get it for a month. So I, I watched it in beautiful, un, just gorgeous 4K on my TV. It was a gorgeous looking film, well shot, well crafted, great action sequences, good pacing on those sequences. Uh, ultimately, it was just a fun experience. I can only imagine the experience that you might get at the theater as well. Uh, but I did want to get to see it here before uh, so I could review it for everybody. So that's why I decided to see it on HBO Max. And I definitely am very pleasantly pleased with how that looked on the 4K uh, format. So highly recommend it. I gave the initial Suicide Squad from 2016 one and a half out of four stars. I just, I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, as much as I enjoyed watching Will Smith and Margot Robbie and Joel Kinnaman in that first film, I just, it fell flat for me The overall. And, and you know, it's funny because most people would compare the villains and, you know, and, and obviously in the villain, you know, for Suicide Squad is a giant starfish, but it, it really works with the tone of this film so a lot of people have maybe thought well okay the star a starfish is the is made basically the the monster villain in this movie but it completely makes sense for the tone and sort of this uh, satirizing almost of, of superhero movies in some way it just it pokes fun of itself it doesn't take too it doesn't take itself too seriously and i think that's the right tone for a movie like the suicide squad when you have a guy called the polka dot man when you have king shark things like that you have to have a little bit of fun with it. And ultimately, I think James Gunn does just that. So highly recommend The Suicide Squad here, the 2021 version. Definitely recommend you go see that. You can see it in theaters or on streaming on HBO Max until September 5th. So definitely highly recommend that. Now, looking on uh, at other possible streaming options on HBO Max, I was able to watch the six-part series Small Town News, and that is the KPVM Harumph, Nevada. So it's a small little town, uh, a little out, little west of, of Las Vegas. It's a uh, it's run by a very conservative man, uh, Vern, who has essentially built this TV station from the ground up, covering this very small local community. And ultimately, throughout the six episodes, I have to say that I really did enjoy uh, overall the six episodes. I can I think it's pretty evident that this series was. Uh, either paused or put on hold because of COVID last year, because the first episode we meet some of these uh, these people in this world of, of KPBM, and it's in January of 2020. And then all of a sudden we kind of shoot forward into the, the ideas of what's going on with COVID and how that's changing the way things are being done. And then after that, we get fast forwarded to the November election. Of course, the uh, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden election in November, and that's where the the final couple of episodes take place. Uh, the ultimate goal of the the station for Vern is to expand his coverage into Las Vegas, so he could conceivably get around three million viewers on his news network, and offers uh, a lot of great incentives like five dollar advertising spots. So Vern is trying to grow 
and, and hope that this uh, small town news can become a bigger TV station and, and maybe start pumping in more money into them. Um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you always want to think that, you know, these are real people, but they are kind of a, a character in, in a way. They're, they're a cast of characters. They're unique. They bring something different to the table. Uh, we, we really follow around Vern a lot, but we also follow around Deanna O'Donnell, who is a main anchor, uh, news reporter, and also I believe she's the news manager uh, of the station as well, the TV, the, the station manager. And we kind of follow her around as we meet just a, a unique cast of people whether it's people that work there or whether it's people that she's uh, doing stories on. And I will say that ultimately I think this show does a, a solid job of telling this story, even though it's a little bit disjointed, I think because of COVID and how COVID played a role in it. I don't know if there was another opportunity to, to maybe do more episodes or a couple of fewer episodes, but the ultimate goal of this station was to expand and how challenging that may be. And, but how much risk and reward there is in that. So uh, we do get a lot of politics in this. For instance, Vern, the the, the owner of the station, um, is a very big Trump supporter, and he's nervous about the election that if Joe Biden were to win the election, that he'd have to begin laying off staff or maybe even sell the new station because taxes would go up and he wouldn't be able to afford anything. Um, as far as I know, the station is still operating um, but uh, it's just kind of a fun slice of life. As a news person myself, uh, I can I can kind of uh, you know understand where the, what they're going through with the stresses of work, but also uh, some of the strange cast of people that they may meet along the way as they tell stories of just random people. Uh, one lady of uh, which is they they sort of highlight a couple of times who buys advertising or buys a TV spot so she can host a show uh, late at night, but then she also had stories done on her where she was visited by aliens and uh, she was also a former girlfriend, apparently Michael Jackson. So it's kind of a unique story in that we, we really get a chance to meet some of the people around Pahrumpf. It, it really paint, paints a solid picture, I think, of what that, as they kind of call it at times, sometimes it's the Wild West out there in Pahrumpf, Nevada, a very small city. Um, I think it's around 36,000 people or so. Um, but uh, ultimately they... They don't really get into necessarily throughout the six episodes on whether or not the station is doing well in Nevada and Las Vegas. That's the market they're trying to explore and trying to get more money and advertising from. So we really don't know sort of how things are gone since then, although I, I kind of wish that maybe since uh, the show didn't come out until uh, this month, essentially, in August, that maybe they would have considered, you know, doing a uh, sort of a, you know, something at the end telling us how the, the station in, in Las Vegas is doing or if they're still thriving, stuff like that, just to kind of get an idea because I'm assuming they probably wrapped up the uh, shooting of this show at least several, several months ago, maybe even a year, you know, maybe even, uh, you know, around the election time in November when they had the election results, but then also, you know, sort of this decision to move forward with Las Vegas expansion. So it would be it would be interesting to see how they do. I don't think they need a second season of this show, even though I would probably welcome it and maybe see what they, uh, the show may you know the, the the show could do with maybe a normal shooting schedule as opposed to a disjointed shooting schedule uh, because of COVID. So it wouldn't be bad to to maybe see more coherency in that. Ultimately, though, for me, I did enjoy the show as a news person. I did like this show. And I give Small Town News KPVM Perumph a three stars out of four. 
This is Craig Shop with the Ohioan Podcast Network, and we have gone streaming. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.